G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Back in 1960, an Aussie woman, Ruth Myers, left Australia to serve the Somali people in Africa. She served there as a midwife and she was there for some decades. And following her return to Australia, she was renowned for pioneering the use of psychological assessment for missionaries in Australia. And that was at first met with suspicion from some mission leaders. Well, Ruth has had a very full and interesting life, and she's written a memoir described as a book about culture, about gospel, about communication, about dealing with change, and above all, about the adequacy of God in all of life. It's a book that will cause you to smile, to reflect, to be amazed, and to be encouraged. Uh, Ruth's book is called When the Lights Go Out, and Ruth Myers is joining us. Hello, Ruth. Welcome to 2020. Hello, Neil. Uh, Ruth, congratulations on the new release of your book, When the Lights Go Out. You better give us some insight into where that title comes from, When the Lights Go Out. During the last two years when I was just bringing the book to its completion, I had a young lady boarding with me who was in her early 40s and I used to share with her some of the names I was thinking of and each time she'd say, oh, no one will read it if you call it that. Then one day I said to her, what about when the lights go out? And she said, oh, that's brilliant. Why well, call it that? And I said, well, in our hospital in Somalia, in a town called Bulabirdi, at 10 o'clock every night, the generator would be turned off. And if we hadn't had hurricane lanterns and other kind of um, pressure lights, we would have been left in the darkness. So we always had the lights ready at 10 p.m., And that became the theme of my thinking that so often in the Somali work, the lights seemed to go out and we'd be left in darkness wondering what lies ahead and then God would light another light. And it just reminds me of that verse in Psalm 112, even in darkness there is light for the upright. And Ruth, uh, excuse my making light of it, but, you know, most of us here in Australia, we all know that babies come in the middle of the night and just at a time in Somalia when all the generators are turned off. Well, that's why we delivered many, many, many babies by hurricane lantern. <laughs> yes. And we started off in the, in the Somali huts where there only was hurricane lanterns and often no beds. So we, we, got, we got used to it. And you were familiar with dark times, and I guess this is one of the connections here, as you have a title for your book, When the Lights Go Out, because it wasn't just about generators. I mean, if you go back to 1960 and all of the challenges that Somalia has gone through now for many, many decades, uh, there's more to darkness than just the lights going out. That's right. It's a sort of a parable. I'd only been there three years when the Somali government changed the law. We were assured 
by the United Nations when we went into Somalia as missionaries that there'd be freedom of religion. That was a mandate of, to be a member of the United Nations. But the Somali government, in their wisdom, changed that and said, from now on, there'll be no preaching of any religion in this country other than Islam. That was in the newspapers, and we were told. But on top of that, they said that in every school that we, the missionaries had built, there had to be a Muslim sheikh, a teacher of Islam. And so the mission I was working with, the Sudan Interior Mission then, said, well, we're not keeping missionaries in a country where they're not allowed to preach and where they've got to have Muslim teachers in their schools. At the very least, we will close our boarding schools, which were just built and were absolutely wonderful. So the schools were closed, and the mission leaders told us nurses that perhaps we should leave and go to Ethiopia where we'd be free to preach. But we said, no, we're staying. That was the first big shock. And then one of the missionaries was stabbed to death. He was a Mennonite from Canada, one of our good friends, and he was... Um, registering students for his school when a, a Muslim fanatic sh stabbed him and killed him, also stabbed his wife, but she recovered. And then a few years later, there was a communist takeover in Somalia. And throughout the time I was over there, there were three coups, a war, a flood, and we were expelled from Somalia by the communists. So they were all times where we wondered what was going to happen each time God lit another light. Well, no doubt people listening to our conversation today will know that this is action aplenty in your story as you write down a memoir when you talk about uh, government decisions that are anti-Christian, coups, communist takeovers, natural disasters, uh, the deaths of your friends, oftentimes at the hands of aggressors that you'd describe as murder, these sorts of things, not the common type of life that most Aussies are used to. Uh, what took you to Somalia in the first place, that you were putting your life at risk to to actually serve as a midwife? Well, when I decided to go, I... I naturally didn't expect all those things to happen, but from mid-teens, I always had a longing to go overseas and work. And then um, when I went to Bible college, we had a visit from Joy Newcomb, um, a nurse from Tamworth who was heading over to Somalia in 1959. And as I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of a country called Somalia. And as she talked, I thought, that's where I'm going to go. So it was through Joy describing it um, that started me thinking and I applied and SIM was just moving into Somalia at that time. It's interesting, isn't it, when you go to Bible college and you hear from God about a destination and as you say, you'd never even heard of it, but somebody had sown a seed of that name and something inside you said, that's where I need to go. And responding to a call of God like that, is, is it happening as much as it should be today, do you think? I'm not sure, but I can only say that it was the assurance that that was a call from God that kept me there when it was very hard. I never doubted. My parents were living in Lismore at the time, and um, 
it was very hot there and I used to ride a bike to work at the hospital and I was I thought I'm not really coping with the heat in Lismore how will I go in a desert country and one day I read lots of verses about the shade and that there'll be a shade in the desert and when the heat comes on God is always there and you know the, the physical heat of Somalia was never a problem but it was more the, the political heat and the oppression of a Muslim culture that was much more difficult to face. Actually, in the time I was there, three missionaries were killed. Ruth, your story is one of perseverance and courage and the tenacity that you have had and the faithfulness that you've displayed. Well, I'm glad you've written it down in a memoir, and I think there's going to be listeners uh, who are listening to our conversation today who are going to want to get a hold of it. We're going to talk some more about your memoir, and I want to be able to talk to you about your return to Australia and your pioneering of the use of psychological assessments for missionaries in Australia that was met with suspicion. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Ruth Myers is our guest, and we're talking about Ruth's new memoir. It's only recently released. It's called When the Lights Go Out. Back with more in just a short while. We're taking some time to talk with Ruth Myers, who's the author of a memoir called When the Lights Go Out. Ruth served in Somalia as a midwife for a number of decades and has such amazing experiences to share. The title of your book, Ruth, When the Lights Go Out, let's talk some more about the lights. We talked about some of those things that were darkness in Somalia. What do you mean when you talk about the lights? First of all, you mentioned before about my faithfulness, and I want to say that the overwhelming um, impression to me was the faithfulness of God. When the government changed the law so that we weren't allowed to preach, that was all put in the newspaper, in the local newspaper. That made young educated men wonder what it was that we weren't allowed to teach, and so they started coming to us and asking us, And we found that if they were willing to sign a paper asking for Bible study, then we were allowed to do it um, in small groups, not in public preaching like we had been. And through that, they were the first breakthrough in people coming to know the Lord. Young, educated men made decisions for Christ. So the darkness of being forbidden to preach turned to the light of one-to-one teaching and response. Secondly, um, with the believers, we were so encouraged. Other lights were the wonderful relationships we had in the hospital with our nurses. Uh, We trained Somali nurses and many of them made decisions for Christ. The hospital ministry was absolutely wonderful. Um, Seeing babies born and living that might have died. We had a doctor from Texas and it was a real challenge for her. She was a lady and, and they weren't used to doing what a woman told her. But seeing her ministry in the hospital, these were all lights. And then when we were expelled from Somalia through the communist government, going into Ethiopia, into a totally Somali populated area and having freedom, being able to have clinics with teaching, Christian teaching before we opened the clinics because in Ethiopia we were free as we weren't in Somalia. Now, as you reflect, Ruth, on Somalia then and Somalia today, uh, what do you know about the circumstances in Somalia? Are those same lights out 
Is it as difficult today as it was then? The first missionaries went into Somalia in the mid-1950s and we were all out by 1973. Those were the days, the only time when uh, Christian expatriate missions were allowed to work there. And um, now I would say it's utter chaos. There's, ever since communism was defeated, there's been fighting, tribalism, and any Christians that are known are beheaded. Most of them have left. There's terrible persecution. Al-Shabaab, that is like Al-Qaeda, the Somali um, branch of Al-Qaeda, they are cruel. We had a my first language informant lived in England for years, but then he went back to start a school in his hometown. They killed him and all his teachers, even though he was doing a wonderful job of opening schools. Wow. There's sadness in your so book sad. as much as there is uh, talking about the good things that happened as well, but the sadness of uh, all of the tragedy that is continuing today enough to draw people to their knees to come before much, God? Yeah, it's much worse now. Uh, it is not possible um, for Christians to function in Somalia now. The hope for Somalis is the radio ministry and a website. And many, many, many more Somalis are coming to the Lord through radio uh, over Far Eastern Broadcasting Association than ever did when we were in the country. And they can do um, Bible correspondence, there's a website, and that is being wonderfully used. And so the, the gospel is going into Somalia every night over the radio, and, and that is just so encouraging. Well, thank God for our friends at FEBC and the good work that they are doing in that radio ministry into Somalia. Uh, Ruth, your return to Australia, you brought back with you some controversial ideas. Well, when we went through the violence of the war, there was no debriefing. We were just told not to share how hard that had been. And um, my debriefing was going to see the hiding place and the, and the bayonets that um, the German soldiers used on Corrie Ten Boom's family. That's the only time I cried is when I saw those bayonets. And so um, uh, it was through the Cuban crisis that we first heard of debriefing and I had this longing to study psychology. So I went to Newcastle University and did an honours degree and there was a wonderful man in our mission, John Neal, and he was... A, he was a qualified psychologist and he'd started doing um, psychological assessments in the mission and I worked with him and learned it, uh, learned how to do it and he handed it over to me and then um, other, other interdenominational missions heard about it and soon we were getting um, candidates, missionary candidates from nearly all the interdenominational missions. It was absolutely wonderful. And then I, I used to do the debriefings too. I imagine I that loved it. I imagine that if you're able to do some sort of a psychological assessment and know whether you are going to be suited for what might be tough times in a mission context, uh, that will actually uh, be such a releasing thing for people who want to move into areas of mission. And it will also uh, take you out of that uh, if you're not suitable. It is. It's um. It's how helping people to see how their family background has affected them, and also how they handle stress, and and what are their areas of strengths 
and weakness so that the missions have more idea um, the kind of assignment this person suited for. And is SIM continuing to use those methods oh, even yes. today? Yes, they've got other people now. I retired in um, a few years ago, but other people have taken on probably better qualified people than me. But my best qualification was my history, my past history in Somalia. That was great, and then doing the training was wonderful. I oh. loved it. I really loved it. And what an amazing qualifying journey you went through, and. Look, I want to be able to point people to get a hold of your book, When the Lights Go Out, and they can get that through Acorn Press. And there's a website. You can place an order for this book by Ruth Myers. It's at acornpress.net.au, and you can go there and you'll be able to find a copy of this book because it sounds like an outstanding read. Uh, and I guess uh, as you reflect on the book and only just newly released, has this been something of a lifelong uh, dream to have something like this and tell your story, Ruth? Yeah, um, I think it's also going to be available at Kurong. But I, I never got married and had children, but in a way this has been like having a baby. When I saw it, I thought this is like looking at your baby's face. It was very exciting. Well, for someone who was a missionary midwife... Uh, telling your story uh, perhaps is, as you say, like having a baby. And uh, to be able to share your insights and to share your stories with so many others uh, that will be an inspiration, and particularly for people who have that inkling that they might well want to serve in some missionary context and wondering whether they do something in missionary tourism, like a couple of weeks away over on a mission field, or whether they do something much more determined and much more gruelling uh, as what you've done. And your courage is an inspiration. Uh, people will want, will want to read your book. Ruth Myers, that's Ruth, M-Y-O-R-S. And uh, when you go to the website at acornpress.net.au or if you're going shopping at Coorong, uh, keep your eye to the uh, the title, When the Lights Go Out. Ruth, thank you so much for taking some time to share your story with us today on 2020. It's my pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.